Alethea, Benny, have a wish or two or three. I'm on the job, you big nabob. You ain't never had a pod, never had a pod. You ain't never had a pod, never had a pod. You ain't never had a pod like the pick with Sean Lemmy. John Ani. <laughs> and Colin Westman. And this week, we're talking about... A genie movie called 3,000 Years of Longing. And uh, a little confession right at the start. It's been a while since we all saw this. Yeah. Uh, My bad. I was out of the country for a while. I'm back now. We're doing it. Um, You guys still feel okay doing this podcast? Yeah, sure. Why not? (laughs) Define okay. Also... Also, it's okay if the podcast isn't two hours long. No one's going to care. Well, will it even make money at the box office if it's under two hours? The people love long movies. The people love length. Love it. kind of. I saw an article that's like, the people love long movies. But I'm like, no, they're just long and we don't have a choice. (laughs) Yeah. People like short movies yeah. too. Megan was short. short that movie. made a lot of money, and she slayed. Yeah. She slayed. Mm-hmm. It's more like people are held hostage by the length of movies that they feel obligated to see. <laughs> like everyone's gonna see Avatar, but no one like wants it to be that long. It's just because they gotta see it that they're seeing it. It's not because of the length. This is why I love horror movies and why I have a list on Letterboxd of horror movies under 90 minutes. <laughs> more people need to, yeah, more people need to do this. You know, that's why I like Plane, Trains, and Automobiles. It's such a great movie. It's like 85 minutes. Um, need to do this shit. Speaking of 90 minutes or thereabout long movies... Uh, my little pick this week, of course, we got to talk about it. Uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie. We we just did Super Mario Brothers, and and now it's thirty years later, and they made another Mario movie, and it's with CG and Chris Pratt, and I th- God, it, it's I, even with the extra time, I'm still not sure which mario movie i think is better really interesting see i I, i'm pretty confident i'm pretty confident about the new one being better okay less ambitious but it's i just feel like it's more competent all all like overall i feel like it just sticks together better i mean it's not super inventive but it like it makes enough sense it's short I don't remember how long the other one was, but it felt long. Um, <laughs> it looks great. Like, visually, it looks great. That's one thing. It no does, way to knock it, against it. Yeah. Yeah, so... If, great music. If, if the if the 90s Mario movie 
if its problem was it was way too much of a departure from the source material. Uh, this one is like way too slavishly dedicated to it. Like <laughs> the whole movie is just fan service. It's just the you know stuff for people who played the games to be like, oh yeah, I get I get what they're doing. Um, to the point where it feels like almost unwritten. Like that—that's the big weakness of this movie: the writing. It's—it's it's so badly written. It's one of the least funny movies I've seen in a theater in a while. That's like supposed to be funny. <laughs> yeah. Ew. It lands so few jokes, and it should be like light and funny. It's, it's just weird because I feel like kids' movies. Like, it's, I can't remember the last time I saw a kids' movie that was that wasn't at least like like funny or I don't know. I guess there's a. I, Illumination isn't a studio that I like follow that closely, so maybe they're they're right. just not good for adults. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and and like the the Illumination part of it is for me is definitely like this like a, one of the main jokes it makes is saying "Mamma Mia" in slow motion. Like it's just funny that Mario gets hit and he's in slow motion and he goes "Mamma Mia." Um, they have like the most obvious pop culture needle drops of all time. Um, like you probably just guess all the needle drops. I'm not even gonna list them. You if you if you think of what that would be, you're right. It's in this movie and it's dumb. And it's weird for me to think that that, that there's a generation of kids who are gonna grow up with the needle drops from this now hit movie. Uh, as their association with with those songs. Um, hey, it's how we feel about uh, everybody do the dinosaur, <laughs> whatever that song's called. <laughs> That's pretty much the um, only song from that movie that has that, though. Yeah. Um, I know going into it, people were concerned about the performances. I thought they were all fine. Like Chris Pratt is doing a little bit of a voice. That he'll never get any credit for because he's still the wrong person for this role. I think um, what is, I think Charlie Day is my favorite as Luigi, uh, though he's good. though he's totally sidelined for like whole, the whole movie. The whole movie. <laughs> uh, like, and yeah. Jack Jack Black's really good too. Yeah, he's 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 solid. Like he gives a song that I I'm guessing he wrote the song. I wish the song was a little funnier. Yeah. That would have been my main note for this movie. More funny. <laughs> Though the people behind us loved it. <laughs> we saw it at 9.30 on a Thursday night. Basically still like a theater of babies like wetting their pants behind us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Sean, did you tell Colin about the kid that was behind you that lost interest in the movie? Yeah, towards the part where they go to team up with the Kongs. Um... The little girl sitting behind me just got her phone out and started watching videos on her phone. Like, she's just done. <laughs> it's kids it's these days. Like w- literally, like with the volume on, I got because that's yeah. I turned around because I heard something and she, her face god. is illuminated by her phone. Oh my god! Did she have like, uh, parental supervision? Yeah, but I'm guessing they didn't mom care. Just like you're all in your seats. That's enough for me. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't going to say anything because I'm 
uh, an adult. They're not going to yell at a child. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Please, young child, turn that off. I'm trying to enjoy my feature film. You don't want to be that guy. No, I didn't. (laughs) Although it does sound a lot like me. It does sound like you. Exactly how you'd say it. Every part of it. Uh, I don't want to be too negative. I guess there's there's parts I like. I liked there's a like a, a training sequence where they're learning how to do like platforming that I thought was good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a Mario Kart sequence where they're like on Rainbow Road that I liked. Um, as much as I hate to admit it, there is a part of me that's like, oh yeah, I do get this reference. <laughs> oh sure, like. It's it's it's, I mean to 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 the point where they like when they put their carts together they like choose the three parts of the cart like you do in the the more recent Mario Kart games. It's or, um, it's very specific. Earlier in the movie, they're like eating at a place called like Punch Out Pizza, and there's yeah. a guy playing a uh, an arcade game called Jumpman, and he's designed like Jumpman from the original Donkey Kong, and the Charles mm-hmm. Martinet's playing him. Yep. I liked all this stuff before they went into the Mushroom Kingdom because I'm like, this is the stuff I haven't seen Mario do be in Brooklyn. So <laughs> they I like the back stuff. To Brooklyn. It they was went, in Brooklyn. Yeah, it starts in Brooklyn. Ha- mm-hmm. It's almost the exact same start of the movie mm-hmm. where they're struggling brothers with a business in Brooklyn uh, <laughs> who go through a, uh, a hidden underground warp pipe and end up in a magical world. You know, actually, I, I think, yeah, my favorite part was when they're, like, going out on a call trying to f- uh, fix, like, a leaky sink. That was my favorite part of the Mario movie was them <laughs> trying to do their plumbing job. They had a big angry dog in it. Yeah, like, because it was just because this is stuff I haven't seen that version of Mario because he looks like the, the classic video game Mario. I haven't seen him do that stuff. I've seen him drive down Rainbow Road and hop around and shit, you know, like, it's. It was every time there was like a slight deviation. I liked when they came back to Brooklyn and fought Bowser in Brooklyn. I thought that was a cool like action scene. And they play like the invincible music. (laughs) My thing was I'm confused about how old they are because they live with their parents. And by the way, Mario's dad looks exactly like Kyle MacLachlan's character in Inside Out. Yeah. Um, I don't know why they did that. I guess it's I like just, it. you only make so many white guys with mustaches. Also, Charles Martinet giving a good performance. Good actor. Uh, a bummer I'm that he, he isn't Mario. Yeah, it's not Pratt good. Not Pratt good. Not Pratt. But they let fucking, uh, what's his face? They let uh, Peter Cullen do Optimus. Yeah. It's not, not like they're casting... Ah, Harrison Ford to be Optimus or something. I don't know. I guess it's different. Like He's not quite the star of those movies. Yeah, it's always whatever lame human. Mark Wahlberg or Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I thought it was okay. I kind of liked it. Um, I'm not sure... Seems like it was a big enough hit to where like they're gonna do more stuff, but I don't like it being in Illumination's hands. So I hope other studios do Nintendo movies if we have to have Nintendo movies. 
It just it sucks yeah. because like I feel like Disney would have knocked this out of the park. Not that I want Disney to have like any more control, but uh, <laughs> they have enough media franchises. But I do think they would have made this work better than Illumination. I just um, opened up the Wikipedia page for the movie to see if I forgot something. Um, and I noticed that the writer of this, there's one credited writer, which feels weird for a big franchise movie. Yeah. Um, but also they don't have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Hey, maybe get someone who can, who can write. write a movie. <laughs> oh, I don't mind. Everyone's got to start somewhere. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know. It doesn't seem like this was that well written. At least this was their first produced. Maybe they've been writing stuff forever, and this was just their first one. It's like. All right, John, here are the other screenplays attributed to Matthew Fogel. Okay. Uh, Minions, The Rise of Gru, The Lego Movie 2, which makes sense because this movie loves The Lego Movie, right down to recasting Chris Pratt. (laughs) Um, And his first screenplay, Big Mama's Like Father, Like Son. Uh-oh. Yeah, it sucks. They should they knew what they were doing. <laughs> Fuck. Alright, well. Could have been worse, I guess. Yeah, I liked it okay. I mean he definitely honed in on all the references. He nailed that part. They know the so games. I, yeah, get that. a get a get a comedian to just punch up the jokes. Or, or write some jokes to punch up. <laughs> Youch. All right, what other little picks do you guys want to do? I guess I usually go second. I'll go second. I have a funny book. That is to say, a comic book series. <laughs> um, called Eight Billion Genies. Which is appropriate for what we're talking about. This is a comic series that I heard Patton Oswalt talking about on uh, a Mark Maron episode. I don't remember why I was listening to this. I I don't listen to Mark Maron very much. This wasn't even like that recent. I think, I don't know. Well, I was listening to it regardless. And it just ended. It was eight issues. It just ended like this month. And I read these on my Kindle. It's from Image Comics, Charles Soule and Ryan Brown. And it's a comic about what if everyone on Earth at the same time got a genie and got one wish. Yeah. And then the whole world descends into madness right off the bat. There's like fucking dinosaurs everywhere and people with superpowers and it's insane. Um, Though there is this one bartender who like wishes that the wishes don't affect his bar. So all the central characters in this bar, they're like our central characters for most of the issues are trying to like deal with this from inside the bar and like watching TV and trying to decide how they're going to use their wishes. And the genies are these cute little blue guys. Aww. Um, but what's really interesting about this series is the format of it is like the first issue is the first eight seconds. And then the second issue is the first eight hours, the first eight days, the first eight months. The most recent issue was the first uh, eight centuries. <laughs> <laughs> which is like insane to wrap your mind around. And it's kind of hard to explain how I, uh, they do that. It'd be kind of a spoiler to explain that issue, but it's just crazy to see like how the world changes 
and how certain people like try to like like there's people that try to steal other people's genies and then like stockpile genies and you know it, it's it's just interesting how people try to take advantage of the world in its new shape and form and it's kind of freaky concept but it is funny and it's got cool artwork and it's creative and uh I liked it. I heard it's already gotten the rights picked up for either a movie or show, and I'm like, oh, God, this is fine as a comic. <laughs> I can't imagine a show being like, okay, this episode takes place 80 years after the previous episode. I mean, maybe that's cool. I don't know. We'll see, I guess. Amazon, I think, was the one who scooped that up. Uh, they make lots of good decisions. Everyone loves their shows and movies. Yeah, we're all <laughs> looking forward to the new Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Uh, but I recommend the comic. If you like wish-related media, I think you'll get a kick out of it. And I do. Yeah. Is it, like, funny, or is it, like, scary? It's funny. I mean, it's funny, but it, it's a little bit of everything, you know? But I would say the tone is light. But obviously, there's, like, people that wish for fucked-up stuff, too. Yeah. Know? It's kind of like do that have, scene in Wonder Woman. Rules? Uh, there's some rules. Yeah, like certain wishes cancel. Like, you know, like if someone wishes, like, I wish for world peace, and then someone's like, I wish for world genocide, those two wishes will just be kind of like null and void. Like, they won't happen. So you can. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't go the X Files route with those two. Oh, are we going to talk about that X Files episode? I don't know what there is to talk about, but uh, in, in terms of wish related media, big fan of that X Files episode. You seen that one, Sean? I've seen that one. Of course, you have to, see, yeah, because it's got Will Sasso, right? You love Will Sasso. Uh, it wasn't that; it was because back in the day, uh, I saw the commercial for that episode. So did I. And I was like, "This is an enticing commercial." Yeah, I, I remember that. that commercial where it's Mulder walking down the street, and it's like there's no one there, and he's like, "This isn't what I meant." Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's only one other episode of X Files where the commercial for it convinced me to watch it. And it was the cops crossing. Me too. Me too. It's I have the exact same like memories and like experience you did with those two episodes. Like I saw the commercial and like I'm tuning in. I don't usually, but I'm tuning in for those ones. Important stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Con, I really wish you'd share your little pick with us. Please. Um, yeah, I'll share my little pick. Um, Here he goes. I'm going to do... What? <laughs> Why do you always do this to me, Sean? <laughs> Whenever I start doing my pick, you're like, uh-huh. Oh, yeah? What's, what's going? This <laughs> really puts a lot of pressure on me. I don't appreciate it. <laughs> All right, noted. I'll try, not, I'll try to remember not to do that. <laughs> oh, it's fine. I like I like the little things you do to spice up the podcast. Um, all right, so I'm going to recommend an album. Nice, um, an older album from the nineties. <gasps> oh. Um. So earlier this year, they finally put um like the early albums by De La Soul on streaming. Yes, which they had not been. <laughs> on streaming for a long time and so like i always knew their first album very well i mean it's kind of a a classic of of hip-hop uh three feet high and rising 
But I knew um, that like their second album was also very well liked. But I never really was able to get into it because I remember downloading a torrent of it like a long time ago. Because uh, I had to, that's the only way I could get it. And I feel like some of the songs were like kind of, like the files were corrupted or something like wow. <laughs> towards the end of the album. So like there would just be like silence towards the end of some of the songs. And so just could never like get into it um and that one was de la soul is dead which is kind of like they're like a little bit darker a little bit kind of playing with the um sort of like hippie uh sunshine vibe that they um established on their first album and after listening to the album some more i do like it um it's a little bit i don't know a little shaggy it's a it's a it's a longer album for sure (laughs) A lot of skits and stuff so i was pleasantly surprised um to find their third album i really liked um which i hadn't heard before called balloon mind state balloon is spelled very strangely <laughs> uh since we're talking about today the uh <laughs> the the pros of shorter media uh, this album's only 48 minutes long where de la soul is it. dead De La Soul is Dead is 73 minutes, and I like it. It's it's a concise album. It's got a lot of what makes uh, Three Feet High and Rising great. It's kind of that same production style, but a little more polished. You can definitely tell that they've like really um, kind of built on the... the greatness of those first two albums. Um, it was also their last album they did with prince paul who was like kind of their their producer behind the scenes who kind of created that sound that they're known for that sample heavy um kind of more upbeat fun hip-hop sound um and uh yeah it's just just a fun little album it's got a got like a weird song where maceo parker just like does a like a trumpet solo he was james brown's trumpet player Bismarcky shows up, of course. Nice. And, uh, yeah, it's good. It's not definitely not as talked about as Three Feet High Rising. But looking at the Wikipedia, Chris Rock named it the 10th greatest hip-hop record of all time. Wow. In some Rolling Stone article. Um, that guy knows about at least early hip-hop. He made CB4. He made CB4, yeah. Which I remember being funny, I think. I don't know, it was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I should listen to this. I meant to listen to more De La Soul after True Goy, R.I.P., passed away. But it, it wasn't on yeah. Spotify when he passed away, <laughs> which true. is, you know, what I use. Um, but it is now, uh, March. If they're, I, I don't know what the catalog issues were with them. Um I don't know. I assume maybe it had to do with all the samples in their songs. Oh, I mean that but would I, that would make a lot of sense actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it is readily and you know widely available now. So yeah, I'll check yeah. that out. I kind of like to keep exploring, seeing what their other albums in the '90s sound like, even though they they obviously started working with other producers other than Prince Paul. But yeah. You know, I saw them live at Sasquatch. Ooh. They closed fun. with Feel Good Inc. Like, 
Interesting. The part, the part they rap with, and then like all the laughing that their DJ does. Yeah. I so love they that. Play the whole song. I don't. I think they just played it. Well, I mean, it they like might have. I don't remember. Thing. I think so. That's the weird thing. I haven't seen like a lot of hip hop live, but like when I mm-hmm. saw MIA. She would do like part of a song, and then it'd cut away to another song, and then there'd be like some weird shit going around on the turntable. I don't know if that's what like all hip hop shows are like, like very kind of like, like they're kind of just it's like a a mixtape live or something. I feel like mm-hmm. uh, De La Soul, yeah, they're kind of mixing things up a little bit, but uh, mm-hmm. that's cool. Uh, love, love to hear it. Mm-hmm. Well, here we go. Three thousand years of longings. Um, guys, I started my research by looking into the history of gins. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Take us back to the beginning of storytelling. <laughs> um. Because I, I just wanted to know, like, is a gin a genie? Is, is it the same thing? Where does it come from? Um, and I think my takeaway largely is that, that it's like, it's sort of like angels, where, like, in the in the Bible, angels are, are one thing. And then we have this, like, cultural image of angels, which are just, like, you know, people with wings who are, like, nice, I mm-hmm. guess. <laughs> um, where gins... Um, which which are are in Islam, but they're also kind of just in um, Middle Eastern cultures um, are complicated, um, and then there's also just the pop culture version of genies, which came out of uh, a more contemporary reading. Um, so originally, jinns are these invisible creatures um that like humans are neither innately good or evil they're accountable for their deeds and therefore can be believers or unbelievers um which means that they are subject to god's judgment uh, and afterlife which does come up a little bit three thousand years of longing um so they're just kind of like another kind of of living creature on our planet they can change their appearance at will. Uh, even though they're mostly invisible, they can also take on the forms of snakes uh, most often. Uh, but they also can be scorpions, lizards, and, and humans. And uh, while they prefer to keep to their own kind, they can meddle in human affairs. And that includes sexual affairs. Um, so I, so far, everything kind of lines up with what we saw in, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and uh, it's a commonly held belief that jinn cannot harm someone who wears something bearing the name of God. So uh, we've also got our sort of you know monster movie rule too there, where if you got some god shit on you, they can't hurt you. God sh- like a cross? Well, probably not a cross. In, in god Islam. shit? Can you elaborate? It says uh, something that bears the name of God. So like a t-shirt that says Jehovah? Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> I'm guessing Allah. 
Allah. But yeah. Okay. A t-shirt that says Allah. Okay. Yeah. Just a nice t-shirt. But if you have it on every day, the, the gin will never get you. A nice t-shirt. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. What's it made out of? The sequins. Um, Gold. Is it a velvet t-shirt? Uh, no, it's like is it's it like fleece? linen. It's nice. This is good to know if Wishmaster ever comes after me. Yeah, so let's talk about the wish part. Because you notice I didn't say anything about wishes. Oh, yeah. It's got a big Jins are are magical, but they're not, like, wish granters. And they don't live in lamps. Ah. Uh, What we do have are some stories from uh, 1001 Nights, a.k.a. Uh, Arabian Nights, mm-hmm. um, which is a collection of uh, Middle Eastern folk tales. It was brought to the Western world in the 18th century. <laughs> I can just feel John going to sleep. You made a breathing noise. It sounded a little like you're ready to yawn but never did <sighs> there you go well, there you go french archaeologist antoine Gallant, uh who translated it uh notably with contemporary stories he just heard at the at the time um so the the version of arabian nights that that uh came to the west was a mixture of you know two thousand year old stories and also like brand new shit that was just hitting the street um <laughs> And the new stories include Aladdin's Wonderful Lamp and Alibaba and the Forty Thieves. Um, where the genie stuff comes from in those stories, uh, there's one called The Story of the City of Brass, um, which talks about how Solomon was able to control jinn and imprison them in small containers. So, a little, little bit of like lamp-like stuff there. Um... In another story, the jinn Asmodeus is trapped in a brass vessel for 400 years, and while he's in there, he contemplates what he wants to do when he gets freed. And one of his ideas is if someone lets him out, he'll give them three wishes. Um, he doesn't end up doing that. Instead, uh, <laughs> he lets the person who lets him out choose their own method of death and then kills them. Wow. What did they pick? <laughs> It didn't say. What would you pick? Let's see. Maybe uh, I'd pick eaten by a dinosaur. Oh, just because it'd be like, what sort of crazy events lead to that happening? Well, just like I would be the first person in history to ever be eaten by a dinosaur. Or one of many, if you accidentally, by making that wish, cause a uh, dinosaur's attack. Oh, I caused a dinosaur's attack. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool, too. We We win in that, so it's... I maybe it would make our, wor- our our world stronger by banding together to fight dinosaurs. Why don't more stories that are not about genies just have it start with someone made a really dumb wish with a genie? <laughs> it's a good way to just make the world different. Uh, it sounds expensive if we're talking like someone trying to come up with a movie. <laughs> not enough genie media as far as I'm concerned. I think that's it. I think it's because it's like it's it's expensive, and even I'm sure the movie we're talking about wasn't cheap, and it 
didn't pay off, so. No. Um, but I will constantly bring up Wishmaster as a fun genie movie. <laughs> 1997's Wishmaster about an evil genie who convinces you to make wishes and then basically uses them to kill you. <laughs> like a shitty Freddy Krueger. Uh, check it, it sounds out. cool. It is cool. Like, this is one part it. where like this is the security guard, and he's just like, like Wishmaster's like, let me go, go through here. He's like, oh yeah, I'd like to see you go through me, and like Wishmaster counts that as a wish, which seems so unfair. <laughs> so he like turns the guy into a door, <laughs> like Whoa. a glass door, and then like the door like breaks. He's like, oh, it's like a stained glass door. And it's like a woman who's like, I wish I could be beautiful forever. And he turns into a mannequin. So that's the kind of shit he does. Nice. Yeah. Uh, highly recommend. I saw it in uh, Fox's Saturday Night Movie uh, of the week. <laughs> Sweet. Hell yeah, dude. Um, but yeah, di- like dinosaurs and shit. Let's get some like crazy wishes. Yeah, dude. Um, so Aladdin's Wonderful Lamp, another story in Arabian Nights. Uh, the way it goes down is that a sorcerer tells Aladdin he needs to go in a magic cave to get an oil lamp. Um, and he gives Aladdin this ring. And then when Aladdin's in the cave, he rubs the ring. And a genie comes out of his ring. And uh, then the genie uses his magic to take Aladdin and the oil lamp back to Aladdin's home. Uh, And when he gets back there, Aladdin's mother, because he's not an orphan, sees the dirty lamp and she cleans it. And that summons like an even more powerful genie. Uh, And he has to do the bidding of whoever holds the lamp. So he just like makes their lives great um and so i guess that's where our our more modern wish granting uh lamp dwelling genies come from i don't know where the three wishes came from really i think it's just if you're writing the story unlimited wishes is boring so they had to put a cap on it and um and then I think it just kept evolving from there. I think uh, probably I Dream a Genie was a big influence on it in the West. Wow. Uh, and, of course, Wishmaster. I'm surprised they haven't remade that, right? I don't think there's, like, a 90s movie of I Dream of Genie, right? Seems like there should be. I feel like if they, they did it want... now, they would gender swap it as well. Oh. Yeah. Uh... But then you have to change the title. I dream of Gene. <laughs> it's like Channing Tatum. That'd be a good project for him. That sounds fun. I want yeah. it. I dream of Gene. Channing Tatum. I, I love it. Me. I'm excited. Yeah. Really Does dumb. that sound better than I dream of Johnny? <laughs> I mean, I think it does. I think it I guess does. It, it feels more close to Genie when it's Gene. Yeah, and it just looks more like it. It'll look better on a poster. You could even spell it G-E-N-E. Oh, yeah, that's what I was yeah, thinking. That's, that's what oh, I was thinking. Yeah, like, yeah. like uh, you know, 
like Gene Hackman style. Yeah, you guys are like way ahead of me on this one. Okay. <laughs> we got this, Sean. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um, the other thing I did some research into was just George Miller's career. This is our first George Miller movie. Uh, and he's a pretty, pretty interesting little, uh, little film, filmmaking career he's got mm-hmm. going. Um, first, did you guys know that he was a doctor before he was a filmmaker. Yeah, dude. Blank no, Check did a whole you... George Miller series. I know my George Miller. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Got that the incredibly awkward, the incredibly awkward Babe Pig in the City episode where the guest was Travis McElroy and it was a disaster. <laughs> His jokes were not landing. It was, and he, ha- and he hated the movie, and they liked the movie, and that's always a bad combination. He said, shame on you for liking this movie, which is a bad thing to say to somebody who likes a movie. Yeah. It was awkward. <laughs> I should never insult the good doctor that way, as I call him. Good doctor. Um, yeah, he used his uh, experience seeing horrible, horrible injuries uh, in the emergency room, as well as witnessing many car accidents growing up in uh, rural Queensland, Australia, um, as uh, as influence for his feature length debut, which was Mad Max, which came out in uh, nineteen seventy nine. Um, sounds like a pretty crazy production because they were like closing roads without permits <laughs> uh, <laughs> that said they somehow filmed that whole movie without uh, a single accident occurring um, which it just seems like a miracle yeah um, that Mad Max did super well, so he got to make two sequels to that. Uh, during that time, he also did the Nightmare at 20,000 Feet remake for Twilight Zone the movie. Um, and uh, and he, he also made The Witches of Eastwick, which, future pick, maybe? Sounds interesting. Uh, I've seen it. Blank check covered this show. Okay. <laughs> well... <laughs> It is. It's. It, it. I do find it interesting that Blake Check covered George Miller. I'm guessing before this movie came out. Yeah. Right. Yep. Which feels like the the blankest check of his career. But. Well, yeah. I mean, well, anytime there's like someone they've covered, they'll do their new movie too. So they did do uh, Three Thousand Years yeah. of Longing. Um. Yeah, they did. They were doing George Miller because I think he was one of the inspirations for podcast i think i can't remember what movie i guess would it have been fury road i don't know i'm not sure maybe not Mm -hmm. but uh yeah they covered him during the pandemic during like the the dark days of the pandemic and that's why Mm -hmm. i watched witches of eastick which is a fucking weird ass movie where like there's a part where jack nicholson turns into like a tree baby it's kind of hard to explain (laughs) also the part where he's like giant a giant mm-hmm. monster tree thing. It's weird. Uh, but it not. But interesting. Always interesting. 
man's never mm-hmm. not interesting. No. Uh, one of the interesting things I read is that um, his inspiration for doing Happy Feet was the Lord of the Rings. Nice. Um, Isn't Elijah and... Wood in Happy Feet? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't look at the cast. Um, I think so. And I haven't seen Happy Feet. I haven't either. But, uh, what of an Oscar. He, he said that he uh, had worked with cinematographer Andrew Lesney um, who was the cinematographer on the Babe movies, but also the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, and Lesney showed Miller some early Gollum footage. And he saw it, and he's like, oh my god, the penguins can dance. <laughs> uh, so uh, I guess his inspiration was to have dancing penguins like Gollum. And those Happy Feet movies got him awards and money. Um, he also worked on Mad Max Fury Road for like two decades, but I guess you can hear about that on Blank Check. Um, and uh, we've got uh, the Furiosa spinoff coming out next year, I think. I think so. It's like the most expensive movie ever made in Australia, I thought is what I heard. Mm-hmm. I mean, who's he competing with? Boz Lerman, I guess. Yeah, more expensive than Australia, the movie. <laughs> well, weren't the um, the prequels filmed in Australia? The Star Wars prequels. The Star Wars prequels. Yeah. Uh, oh. Like in a in a big studio in Australia. At least you know most of it. Obviously, there's other parts. Um, but yeah, I guess it's even more expensive. I mean, this is like because he just like does this shit for real. You know, it's like okay, we're just gonna build all these crazy ass cars that zoom around and shoot fire like and like all that's the my stunt favorite work, you know that's my favorite part about the production of fury road is hearing that they had a fleet of like 150 cars just sitting around for a decade wow. as they tried to figure out how to make that movie amazing never should have worked it's incredible that it worked out it was like the best movie <laughs> of his career it just doesn't happen <laughs> And we all loved it, and that's why we all went to go see his, the movie after that, which is this movie. Right. <laughs> this is this is his movie after Fury Road. It's so weird. It's based on a short story called The Djinn in the Nightingale's Eye. Uh, or I think that's actually the, the name of the collection of short stories. Um, and as far as I can tell, it is a very close adaptation to the short story. Like oh. It's not much of a departure at all. Um, it uh, came out in 1994. It's by A.S. Biot. Biot? Biot? I don't know. Um, also worth noting that uh, Miller co-wrote this movie with his daughter, Augusta Gore. Ah. Yeah. Isn't his uh, wife his editor most of the time, too? Mm-hmm. It's a whole family affair. I love it. I think this is Augusta Gore's first film credit, although I didn't write that down, but I'm pretty sure. I think that's right. I think I've heard that, too. Um, he uh, considered it a sort of a palate cleanser between his Mad Maxes, I guess. He wanted to do something different. And, uh, of course, this is one of the many movies that was scheduled to go into production in March of 2020. 
and then didn't get to because of the thing that happened. Um, perhaps the most interesting thing about that is that they were going to do a lot of on-location shooting, um, particularly in um, uh, Istanbul, right, where the, the movie uh, is mostly set, and then London. Uh, but they didn't. The entire thing is shot in Australia on sound stages. Um, just kind of impressive, but also kind of sad. Well, I know, but I, but um, like you know how it's set in like that, that hotel room that supposedly like Agatha Christie would like write in. Yeah. Like I heard that they like went to the actual room and like recreated it perfectly. So there was a <laughs> there was a great attention to detail. Like I don't mind shooting on sound stages if you're putting the work in, you know, to make. Like, and that sounds like something that you wouldn't really need to. Like, no one's gonna know if that it's a perfect recreation of that hotel room. But the fact that they put the care in, I think, just goes to show that's like you can almost like kind of feel that extra effort sometimes, and I like it. So, yeah, I think I felt it more with the London stuff. Um, it felt to me very. I mean, because the the thing is, they're going for this is a very crowded city, and it and it's so busy that the all the electromagnetism's fucking up shit for this genie, and it, it didn't feel like a crowded city because they probably like had to work really hard for every single person they put on screen at that time. Assuming this production went back in er, the movie went back into production in November of twenty twenty, so I'm guessing still a very restricted production. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, it was released in August of last year with, like, no marketing. I saw that trailer. Uh. <laughs> Remember the sweet song in it? It's like fucking psychedelic rock. It's all like... I'm trying to show you every cool shot. And it looks like it's 300. <laughs> um... It didn't work. Uh, it had a $60 million budget, made only $20 million in the box office. Uh, and who knows how much it's been able to recoup since then, since it still hasn't actually been put on uh, a free streaming service. It's still been on VOD um, since last November, which is another thing, too. When it bombed, it should have immediately gone to VOD, but it didn't. It waited a few months. Yeah, I feel like that's, like, Steven Soderbergh has talked about this, like, where you can, like, know, like, after the weekend, like, how well it's going to do. And if it does bad, he's like, just put it, like, make it available instantly. So I don't know what they're doing, man. Yeah. So, again, I can't, Uh I still can't really come up with a good explanation of why I didn't go see it in theaters. I guess it, I mean, it got okay reviews. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's maybe it needed. Yeah, maybe it just needed to get slightly better reviews. When it's a movie, you kind of look at and you're like, "What's what's this movie going for? What's the deal here?" And it's like, yeah. if it gets really good reviews, you're usually willing to kind of take a chance on a movie that you're not really sure about. Um. But I guess people just weren't willing to take that leap on a movie. They got like, yeah, 75% on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. 
It doesn't look like there was a ton of stuff that was coming out around then. Uh, Bullet Train was an August 2022 movie. Um, Orphan First Kill came out a week before 3,000 Years of Vlogging. Will you say Bullet Train was around the same time? Yeah. That's crazy. This movie feels like so much older than Bullet Train to me. <laughs> it just The mm. timeline is just confusing for me. It's weird. It sounds about right to me. Yeah. <laughs> Bullet Train and Prey were both August 2022. Wow. I just feel like I, I would have looked at both these movies and been like, I could go see a movie. I could see one of these two, <laughs> two things that are out now, but I guess I just stayed home. Yeah, and then things kind of picked up in September too. Maybe you guys were looking ahead, or, or and me as well, because like uh, Barbarian came out in September, Clerks Three, The Woman King, Pearl, uh, Confess Fletch, which we all saw. <laughs> um, I haven't seen it yet. No worry, spoilers. Uh, yeah, I don't even know if he September. actually confesses. No spoilers. Okay, get into it. Okay, thank you. So let's talk about it. Um, the movie stars two people I've heard of and then no one I've ever seen before in my entire life. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. We've got uh, Tilda Swinton as uh, Alethea Binney, who is a uh, narratologist who is haunted by visions of demonic beings. Uh, dating all the way back to her childhood when she invented an imaginary friend and then, like, I guess made up so much story for him. She's like, I gotta forget about this guy. Um, and she is in uh, Istanbul for a lecture. She gets attacked by one of her demons, uh, goes back to her hotel room, gets a... Uh, I guess it's just like a glass bottle. I don't, I'm not going to call that. That wasn't a lamp. Um, and uh, she uh, she decides to clean it with an electric toothbrush because Tilda Swinton loves using electric toothbrushes in movies. And out pops a gin. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, if you put it out in the world, um, it, it, it makes it true, I think. Um, the gin so it's not true. does not have a name. <laughs> I still like it when you make things up, Trent. Name more iconic deal oh. than Tilda Swinton and the electric toothbrush. <laughs> <An> electric toothbrush. <laughs> I don't think that would be very hard since you can't come up with a second example. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it feels right. Michael Clayton, know. maybe. I can imagine it, but I need proof. I'm googling Michael Clayton electric toothbrush. <laughs> I'm also doing it with one hand, so this is gonna be a little slow. Sorry, guys. Okay, I'm just gonna Google Tilda Swinton electric oh, toothbrush. Nice. And see if anything comes up. Do you think this is a good question for chat? Just chat GBT, can it figure stuff out fast like this? Is it like faster? Is it like advanced G or what's his name? Ask Jeeves on crack or something. 
I'm going to find out. I'm going to ask ChatGBT how many movies have featured both Tilda Swinton and an electric toothbrush. It's not going to know, I, I don't think. It's pretty specific. Just for ChatGBT. Uh, to my knowledge, there are no movies. <laughs> wow. Damn. I'm going to tell that 3,000 Years of Longing has those things. You guys need uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I can't find anything guys. about this. Yeah. The gin doesn't have a name. What's up with that? Oh, is that right? I guess he doesn't. Yeah, dude. Yeah. He's just. The gin. Tilda Swinton. What the fuck? Whoa. Sorry, I didn't realize ChatGPT's knowledge cuts off at September 2021. It says this movie hasn't come (laughs) out yet. (laughs) There you go. Maybe I can warn ChatGTV about the future and maybe it can try to save us. Because it's in the past. Or its knowledge is in the past. Ah, we're doomed. We're doomed. I'm just just say Michael Clayton is another one. Sure, why not? Um, Idris Elba is real big. Like he takes hey. up the whole hotel. Oh, he's room. like the Jolly Green Giant in there. Yeah, it's this cool. Should have been Mark Rylance. Oh, Mark Rylance. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what do you think his take would be? <laughs> What uh, kinds of wishes do you want to be making? Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. What's he just like? like he always <laughs> just plays like a guy who wants to be left alone. It's <laughs> like not the vibe of this genie, really. I imagine him looking like Papa Smurf. So I'm just that's I'm just putting that out there. Um, yeah, and sure. Just wants to be left alone. And he's definitely painted blue. Definitely painted blue. He's definitely blue. Yeah. Sounds really good. Um, so then uh, Idris Elba um, uses his genie powers to uh, take Einstein out of a TV. Was that right? He took someone out of a TV. I think it yeah, was, it was Einstein. Einstein. Yeah, that was cool. Um, Little Einstein. He learns about. He, <laughs> he learns English and he learns sort of the vibe of the of modern times. Um. And uh, and then he fills in uh, Alethea on the uh, the wish deal, um, which I made sure to write down what the rules are because every genie has rules and his I, I feel like they're pretty boilerplate rules. Um, yeah, uh, rule number one: three is three. You can't get more wishes. Uh, rule number two: uh, you can't wish for eternal life. Uh, only Jin get to be immortal. Uh, rule number three: uh, His power has limits. He cannot absolve sin or end all suffering. And uh, rule number four is: uh, The wishes must be your heart's desire. You can't just be like, "I wish for," you know, kale chips, because nobody wants that, really. No, no one. This, Everyone hates it. This, Anyone who says they like it they is do. lying. Yeah. They suck. Oh, they do suck. I agree. Um, and what's funny is that Alethea, as a narratologist, is immediately like, 
no thanks. No wishes for me. Um, I think that's a, a fun angle that she is uh, genre savvy and not interested in uh, getting herself uh, into a real monkey's paw situation. And so to make up for her reluctance, the djinn tells Alethea his life story, which makes up the bulk of the movie and 100% of the interesting part of the movie. <laughs> um, he, uh, he tells a story of the various uh, women that he has been summoned by and uh, the, the work he put in to uh, try to make the dreams come true, but it never worked out for them, which kind of uh, feeds into Alethea's point of view um but uh anyway we know long ago he was uh in love with uh one of his cousins the queen of sheba um and they were happy until king solomon showed up and imprisoned him in a bottle and then threw him in the red sea uh, king solomon who you'll remember we talked about before earlier in the podcast as being someone who's good at controlling gin. So again, this, this story did the work. They did the research to, uh, be accurate to actual gin lore. Um, anyway, he's trapped for 2,500 years. Um, so we get through a lot of the 3000 years of longing pretty quickly. <laughs> um, he, uh, he gets, uh, pulled out by a concubine named, uh, Golten. Uh, who uh, is working in the palace of Suleiman and um, she uses uh, her wishes to make Suleiman's son Mustafa fall in love with her uh, and later to bear his child uh, but Suleiman has a scheming concubine who wants her own son to be the next person to inherit the throne so she convinces Suleiman to kill Mustafa and Golten before the jinn can convince her to make a wish um, which has a pretty cool scene where there's like another monster guy who like transforms in front of the jinn um, but that's all, we, that's all we see about other monster guys in this whole movie just that one little bit I would have liked more of that more monsters more monsters would have been good because uh, this really is just a love story. It's just about a, uh, a, a jinn who loves these loves these ladies. Uh, he spends the next hundred years wandering the palace. Um, he's invisible because Gulten had hidden his bottle. And so until someone finds the bottle, uh, he's just kind of stuck there. Um, eventually, Murad uh, the fourth almost finds his bottle, uh, but uh, gets lured away. And goes to war. Uh, meanwhile, his younger brother Ibrahim, who's like a big baby, gets put by his mother in this like fur-lined room where he just has sex with overweight concubines. You know, as you do. <laughs> Never seen that in a movie. <laughs> Definitely memorable. <laughs> um, Murad then comes back and he's like 
so hardened by war these kills everybody um but then he sees his weird hedonistic brother in his quote-unquote dungeon and decides to leave him alone and become an alcoholic and spend the rest of his days killing storytellers who don't impress him until finally he does meet a good storyteller who he likes uh and then he dies which means that the throne goes to big baby Big baby. Which means that Big Baby shares his power <laughs> with his concubines, which includes Sugar Lump, uh, who uh, one day uses her uh, significant mass to unearth the bottle. Um, and props to her, because as soon as the djinn appears to her, um, she's like, no, nope, this is some devil shit. I wish you to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and she uh, teleports the bottle away to uh, Bosporus, the strait that divides Turkey, uh, as well as uh, Asia and Europe. It's kind of just right in the middle of the country. So then he's once again stuck underwater uh, until a fish eats the bottle, then gets fished up and recovered by a Turkish merchant who gifts it to one of his wives Zafir and uh, Zafir is cool because she uses what I would make my first wish uh, she wishes for ultimate knowledge um, which I thought was pretty funny how they execute on this <laughs> because she wishes for knowledge and he's like okay here's a lot of books get reading <laughs> the old fashioned way yeah um, so, uh, she's already a brilliant person, and now that she has, like, infinite books, she becomes really smart, and she becomes frustrated that she's not even smarter, so she uses her second wish to get, like, gin smart, which means she can, like, tap into magical knowledge, I guess, um, which kind of puts a strain on her relationship with the gin, uh, which has become romantic at this point. Um, she even becomes uh, pregnant by him um, but then she uh, one day uh, in an argument with him wishes she had never met him which causes her to forget about him and leave him imprisoned in the bottle once again uh, which is what led to him um, being released by Alethea in modern day and uh, so having heard these kick-ass stories, Alethea's like, I know what I want to wish for, that we're in love. Um, and so then they fall in love, and they move back to her hometown in London, which is where the movie really falls apart for me. Because then the story becomes about how cellular and satellite transmissions are weakening the djinn's electromagnetic body. Um, you don't like that? <laughs> I like it. It makes I sense. I think for a very uh, pandemic-influenced movie, for it to be like, oh, yeah, 5G is killing us is a really bad <laughs> Good point, actually. Yeah. People are going to take the wrong lessons, depending on what their beliefs are to begin with. See, I told you. Kills the um, gin. <laughs> kills the djinn still doesn't have a name even though they're in love um Alethea is like mean to her old lady neighbors which is 
did nothing for me. And then she later she brings them snacks. Great. Okay. Um, but mostly... Like they're just like trying there. to throw in some like Brexit commentary, I guess. <laughs> but just a just a very little bit, just for one scene, I guess. A tasteful amount. Yeah. Um. Uh. One day she comes back and the gin is like turned to like dust. He's like so old, he looks so <laughs> shitty. Um. So she uses her second wish just to get him to like come back to life a little bit to like talk, and, right? Yeah. Talk again. And um, this makes her realize that by wishing for them to fall in love, she denied him the chance to actually fall in love with her and vice versa. Um, And so um, she uses her third wish to send him where he needs to be, which uh, sets him free, like at the end of Aladdin. Um, So he's free to go, presumably to the, uh, the world of Jins or the land of Jins, wherever that is. Um, but then we find out at the end of the movie, it actually gives him the freedom to come back to London every once in a while. Um, we see that Alethea has written a book about her, her Jins stories that she's heard, and uh, and Idris Elba shows up, and uh, it sounds like they get to continue their relationship after all for the rest of her life. So, a happy ending for these two people. Yay! I like that. All right, but John, classic question. Yeah. The most boring question you can ask about any movie. Okay. Was it all in her head? No. What? I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> what's a movie... I'm trying to think. What's a movie that's all in their head that I, I'm like, fuck that. I feel like I saw a movie recently. Fight Club. No. I mean, I've seen Fight Club. We do it on the podcast. <laughs> I know, but are you like, but are you like, fuck that? I guess. I watched a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking about this movie. I watched an Italian zombie movie recently called Nightmare City. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm sure it has like 50 different titles depending on what country you're in. <laughs> but it's like this movie where there's like this guy. I think he works for a news station and he goes to the airport and a plane lands. And then just a bunch of zombies run out and start stabbing people and killing them. And a whole zombie outbreak happens. And it's just this guy, like, running from zombies through the whole movie. And then at the end of the movie, he wakes up. And then he gets, like, a call, like, we need you and your news crew to get down to the airport to get this. And it's like, he's like, fuck, is it going to happen? And I'm like, "Uh, that's kind of weird. So it's like, he dreamed that this is going to happen or that's just unrelated. But he's afraid that it might happen. So, I don't know. I, I just Let me know if it happened or not, okay? <laughs> I don't got time to, to ponder on this shit. All right. Well, here's my argument for why it could be all in her head. Okay. Um, we can see at the beginning of the movie that she has these visions of uh, demons that are haunting her. And um, she she tells the story about her imaginary friend who she became so obsessed with she, the only way she felt she could handle that was to write the story of her imaginary friend um, and then after that happened she she wasn't bothered by the imaginary friend anymore and the end of this movie 
has her writing the Jin stories, right, as a book. Um, but maybe it's, it subverts that idea by having the Jin then show up after she's written the book to show that he's not imaginary, that he's still in her life. Okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a fair read. Um, but no, I don't. I like to believe <laughs> what I see. <laughs> I like to believe. Don't waste my time. All right, well, uh, Colin, what do you think of, the, of that, that last act of the movie? I, I've said I don't like it. Um, yeah, I definitely wasn't that invested in it. I think it's just because the whole like structure of the movie uh it's not really about the two of them for a long time i mean I, it kind of is in that it's building up to her being sympathetic towards his plight but she is just kind of sitting there listening to him the whole time while he talks about these cool stories that happened to him so it's like a little hard to be super invested in their relationship I well, like, like it. Sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. <laughs> I like it okay. because these are all like small, like mini cautionary tales, which all genie stories are. And then she just becomes mm-hmm. another one of these tales. No matter, even despite the fact that she's like right from the beginning, well aware of like, this is like, there's no way you can wish for anything and have it go right. This is like, this sucks and I'm stuck in this. Like, I know, like, you can't wish your way out of this. And it, it I just, yeah. Because it, it's like an anthology film, and I, I don't like it when um, there's anthology films that kind of have like wraparounds, and then th- mm-hmm. then that wraparound becomes like another story in itself. So I thought it was a, a, a fun way to to mix it up, and I kind of like seeing him like there's that part where he meets those like older ladies, and they're like, "Ooh, he's hot." <laughs> I was like, "I like this scene." <laughs> getting to move around I, I guess it is it does make it seem a little less um, I, I guess it does feel a little sloppier it, there, there's there's like a tidiness to it all taking place in one room and then ending in that one room like I that's cool too yeah had they done that mm-hmm. and but I don't know I kind of liked mixing it up a little bit personally but I don't know I, I, I maybe the other way would have been better um but I do appreciate a movie that's just like, here's some stories, but they have like really cool visuals that accompany them. It's not quite an action sure movie. Do. It's not quite a drama. It's kind of a romance, I guess. It's a little bit of everything. Yeah, I mean, I still like it in spite of it being a little sloppy from a, a storytelling perspective. Um, but it just makes it a little hard for that that last act to feel super clean. But... Yeah, I think that's okay. It it definitely has lots of cool visuals, and uh, Mm -hmm. genies are cool. They're not in movies that often. Um, And, yeah, I mean, you don't see that many movies that are doing sort of, like, very imaginative, evocative uh, stuff like this with, like, big budgets and, and using, like, you know, an interesting color palette um, in, in a movie like this. Oh yeah, it looks amazing. Yeah, I like that. Sure. Um, it seems like filmmakers, these veteran filmmakers, when they get old, really get 
interested in doing self-reflective movies in a way. Like the Fablemans <laughs> is like, I'm going to look back at, you know, my life or Roma or whatever. And then like here with George Miller's like, I'm going to like reflect on what stories are and what, what it means to tell a story. <laughs> so I like to think this is his take on a Fablemans, but his has genies. <laughs> Is him exploring just the idea of like our relationship to to stories and and, and how they you know I don't know it one read on it perhaps yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. makes sense it's interesting um John I like that you talked about it sort of being an anthology movie because I was going to ask what was everyone's favorite uh, favorite wishmaster in this movie I've already said my favorite was uh, Zafir the the woman who wanted to be smarter. Uh, I like the one with the the big baby and all his uh, fat babes or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I like that one too. <laughs> Just because it felt the most like, what am I watching? Yeah, but I liked that as a positive. I was like, what is this? Yeah. Who makes I mean, this that's... movie? Who comes up with this yeah. idea? <laughs> Um, I just I just really love the very like specific details of how the djinn makes the wishes come true. Like I talked about how like when she wished to be smarter, he like gave her homework. Um, or like uh, the the um, the one concubine who wishes for um, uh, Mustafa to fall in love with her, mm-hmm. um, and the djinn's like, "All right, here you go. Here's this special oil you can rub on yourself that'll like." release pheromones that'll make him fall in love with you it's it's like there's a there's a, like an actual like practicality to the magic which i wasn't expecting which i think i think is kind of fun to see because um, i think with with genies most of the time you just you know you, you think of the i dream of genie thing where she bobs her head and yeah whatever you wish for has just happened yeah definitely yeah, no, it's it's cool wow. seeing a movie too where the genie is almost the more important character than the other than the human who is mm-hmm. possesses the genie and and seeing their relationship to the world and being alive for that long. It's 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 again something that I can't really, with the exception of Wishmaster, we don't really get a lot of movies from that perspective. <laughs> no. <laughs> so. Uh, but this is obviously a better movie than Wishmaster too. So, yeah. And props to Idris Elba for doing most of this movie pretty much naked, and doing a very unique accent that I liked. I don't really know what he's doing, but I like it. Yeah, sounds good. He looks great. He's he's great. I wish he had a little more success as a leading man. What's what's the most successful Idris Elba like? Is that movie? your first wish? Uh oh. <laughs> no, we got to get into this. I think we should do a second because I don't have a villain's wiki for this. The villain is man, I suppose. Man's greed, man's desire. <laughs> um, but I think we should go over what our wishes are if we had to make our wishes. When, when, I don't know. I assume we still got a little bit more before we get to that. But I, I do want to get into this. All right. Sorry, I interrupted. You were asking something, though, about Idris Elba. Yeah, I was trying to think of, like, what's his most successful vehicle where, like, he's, like, one of the main guys? He doesn't have to be the lead, but, like, 
Well, he was the bad guy in Hobbs. Is that and his most successful movie? <laughs> Probably is. I guess Pacific Rim did well, right? I mean, it made a sequel. Yeah. Sure. I think it was one of those ones where it was like a, like it sort of did well. You know that that thing where it's like it did well enough that they thought a sequel would make money. Not like it did super well. <sighs> really, like, I'm sure yeah. Hobbs and Shaw made money. Yeah, I, I think the big shame here is that. Dark Tower sucked so much. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I was, like, because we, I, I think we both read The Gunslinger before it came out. Sean, mm. I don't, I didn't really like that either, so. No. It was kind of like, oh, well, this, the source material is not that good either, so. Well, yeah, whatever. Whoops. Oh, we're, I'm forgetting that he was Heimdall in all those. Oh, yeah, movies. yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. It was probably like eighth build or something, but yeah. And he was uh he was the main guy in the new Suicide Squad. He, so he's got super He fought Lions money. recently. I don't think that did well. Oh yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that movie. I watched it. Damn. He fought the Lions. Like... Yeah. The Lions yeah, looks like shit. I hate CGI animals. Beast, that's what oh. it's called. Animal. Was he a lion in Zootopia? <laughs> Yeah, he was. He's, he's very regal, I guess. Was he? Um, because um, he's also wasn't he Shere Khan and and Jungle Book as well? Oh yeah, so he's a Shere Khan's a tiger. Too. Yeah, so he's he knows beasts well. He knows the big cats. <laughs> he was also in Cats. That's right. He was in Cats. <laughs> loves playing cats or fighting cats or fighting cats wow <laughs> oh i guess he was you know what i can't believe i overlooked this this movie was incredibly successful sonic the hedgehog 2 <laughs> where he played knuckles yeah right and they're they're doing a knuckles spinoff aren't they, they said they're gonna let's see if they actually end up making it he has signed <laughs> on for at least sonic 3 which i think shadow I don't know. I can't remember if there's a tease for Shadow or if I dreamed that. I think they showed him. I think. You know who my casting, my dream casting for Shadow is? Keanu Reeves. Let's make it happen. He's probably busy. Mm. Anyone could be Shadow, I guess. Does, are you saying that Keanu, Keanu Reeves is evil Ben Schwartz? <laughs> <laughs> well, who would you pick? Thomas Middleditch? <laughs> oh, that's too evil! Wasn't there a new Luther that's, movie that's recently perfect. too? Oh yeah, you're right. It's like a Netflix thing. Do people like that? Oh, it seems like people are like, yeah, whatever. Who what? Who are Luther fans? Are they just British? I'm not sure, people? I think mostly British people. I watched. Uh, I. Th- I don't even remember if I finished the first season of Luther. I'm sure it was like five episodes. I thought I did. <laughs> yeah. I had a great theme song, I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched, yeah, I think I watched the first season. It was okay. I, I'm not a big uh, you know, fan of cop shows, but... Yeah. He was just so, like, fucking on the edge. Like, that's, that had never been done before in a cop show. <laughs> a cop on the edge? Yeah. No way. Where it's like, he's a loose cannon. What? What? Yeah. 
Like a guy points a gun at him. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't even care. It's like, what? You don't even. You're getting shot. <laughs> That that is the scene that you always talk. I always just say, yeah. There's like a part where like when... someone like, yeah, puts a gun to Luther's head. He's like, just pull the trigger. It's like, fuck, Luther's <laughs> not fucking around. Yeah, that's what I think of when I think of Luther's. Pull yeah, the trigger. that happens like every episode. <laughs> Doesn't give a shit. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool All right. actually. Severe <laughs> <laughs> yeah. death. Yeah. Let's talk wish strategy. Okay, I already got my wishes. Let's hear them. Okay, McDonald's in my house. Jesus Christ! <laughs> you need to get more specifics, John. What if you have to still pay for it? Oh fuck. Uh, free McDonald's in my pick, house. Why would you pick like In and Out Burger in your house, which you can't get in Washington State? Because I want make I want McBreck. I want breakfast. Yeah, you can go get that down the street. <laughs> John, you read. What if you move? <laughs> okay, McDonald's. Okay, a little a little revision. Free McDonald's in every house I will live in for the rest of my life. Okay, that's a good wish. Solid. All right, we want to do like one at a time. I would maybe like also work in like McDonald's is good for you now for some reason. Oh, yeah. Okay. I guess that could be the second wish. (laughs) No, this is all one wish. I'm not wasting two wishes on McDonald's. It's not healthy. Okay. It's moderation. I'm not going to eat it every day. I'll definitely have coffee there every morning. I love getting sick sick of it. Exactly. That's why I want to eat it every day. That's actually really smart. And if new items come out, then I get the new items too. I get them first. You're going to have to befriend all the employees. I choose when the McRib is back. And in my case, probably never because I'm pretty sick of it. It's bad. I'm bringing back the McDLT though. Okay. I never really got to try it. I know it's just a big and tasty, but I want to try it. They're not big and tasty anymore anyway. R.I.P., man. All right, what's someone else's first wish? I could keep going, I guess. I just thought it'd be fun if we did one wish at a time. I just haven't, like, thought of any. All right, my second wish. And also, wish. like, the, the first one that comes to mind is I'm like, oh, this this would definitely go awry 100%. Uh-oh. Which would just be to say, stop climate change. But I feel like... The wisher would mm, just like gotta reverse reverse climate change. I guess reverse, but then I feel like if I say reverse, they're gonna make it like go backwards so that we go back to like the ice age or something. And if I say stop climate change, I feel like just all people are gonna die or something because they're the yeah, ones. The climate causing... will never change. Yeah. Um. Hmm. For me, wish number one has got to be, and it's in this movie, make me the smartest person on the planet. It's pretty good. But what if it turns you into, like, Stephen Hawking? Well, well, like I'll be dead? No, I just mean it'll turn you into whoever the currently the smartest person on Earth is. It won't be yourself. 
Uh, you gotta uh, you, no, you gotta no, rephrase it a little. You gotta word it. You gotta yeah. word it just right. You could say that you personally, Sean Lemmy, which is that you are smarter than every other person on p- planet Earth. Yeah, make me limitless. Ooh, limitless is a really good. Don't wish. you think it'd be get you have limitless powers? Limitless powers is a really good power. It also Give works me out for him. Limitless powers. Like at the end of that movie, it's just like, yeah, he's gonna probably like be president someday or something. <laughs> we do not see like any downside to limitless powers in that movie. <laughs> Great choice, limitless. All right, I I gotta do my second wish though. Then jumper powers. Nice. I can teleport anywhere in the world. My wish is to have jumper powers, and I can teleport any. I guess I'd instantly have enemies. So here's my here's my thing. Okay. John. Okay. If you can go anywhere instantly, why do you need a McDonald's in your house? <laughs> it's a great uh, question. Oh, uh, because like so my plan with most of see here's the thing. I'm gonna use my jumper powers to steal a lot. <laughs> It'd be nice if there's just one thing I wouldn't have to steal all the time. <laughs> Because it's going to be tricky because I can't just, like, you know, teleport into the Super Bowl if I don't have a ticket. It's going to be tricky or I can't. Wait. Yeah. Why do you have to steal? I'm going to steal you have wishes. But this is like, I can, like, hey, there's a new Blu-ray or book I want. I'll just teleport to a place and grab it and then teleport back. Uh, so I... I... I feel like you could just wish to be rich, though. Sean, some things are more important than money. <laughs> I don't need to be rich. Because then it's like, if you wish to be rich, there's like taxes and shit, and like tax man's after you, and IRS. You, 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 you too just, many people you are just, like looking into you. You just, you just pay the taxes. No, no. You'll still be no, rich. No, no, I can't do that. Sounds comp. Sounds boring. I just want to teleport and hang you out. Can hire someone to do the taxes. I want to hang out on John a pyramid. John would rather do crime. Hang out on a pyramid. I want to teleport to the Super Bowl and then teleport before anyone catches me. Visit every country in the world. No downside. Right? Um. Yeah. All right. Well. My my thing with wishing for limitless powers is wish number one is that mainly I'm assuming limitless Sean will have better wish number two and number three. Um, <laughs> but if he doesn't, I want shape shifting superpowers. Nice, 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 superpowers. Nice, nice, nice. What are you gonna turn into? Uh, I feel like the first thing I would choose to turn into would be like some sort of bird because that's got to be like the most different kind of kind of thing you could be oh, be careful though like what if there's like some i guess like i was gonna say what what are the predators of birds man someone's gonna try to shoot you out of yeah. the sky well f- i'll fucking turn into quetzalcoatl man no one's gonna fuck with quetzalcoatl quetzalcoatl i feel like hmm. i'm trying to think of shape-shifting uh like what the downside is obviously you, you make yourself a there's, there's like if you're an animal there's so many other animals that will come after you or man they'll come after you would you ever like turn into celebrities and then like act in movies? You know, be like, hey, hundred percent, hundred percent. You guys, day one, I am turning into Donald Trump and I am getting on cameo. <laughs> just, just be 
jerking off on cameo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you? I don't think you're allowed to do that. I'm doing the work. Probably not. But you could like turn but... into like Orson Welles and be like, "Hey, can I be in Star Wars?" And <laughs> you know, shit like that. Are you guys making mm-hmm. any new Expendables? Do you want Humphrey Bogart to be in it? I hear I'm Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> it is one of those I ones. I, like... I guess you have to be careful because, like, you don't want to attract too much attention. But uh, you are limitless too, so you'll always be able to outthink everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if, like, if enough time goes on, I'll like forget what I what like I originally looked like. Oh, you're gonna forget what you looked like. You don't know. That'll be yeah. my curse. I forget what you look like. You can only walk around as like animals and famous people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like you would de- it would definitely lead to some sort of identity crisis. I can't <laughs> can't imagine it's healthy for your sense of self. I always thought that would um, be a good movie, like about a shapeshifter who is a different actor, like throughout the movie. Uh, there's probably been something like that, but I always thought that'd be a quite cool different movie. Yeah. Maybe like a shapeshifter who's on the run who keeps turning into people. I don't know. Something there. Yeah. Uh, should you come up with your second wish, Colin? Um, I don't know. You haven't picked a power. It'd be fun to be just like, what, what kind of power? Could it be? I keep thinking more practical. Like I was thinking like, be good at every single musical instrument. There, that's a good one. Like... Yeah. Just like incredible. Good. But at the same time, I'm like, I mean, the the real problem I always have in life is I'm not like good at like sound recording. I wish I had that too, but that's not an instrument. But at least I'd be good at the instruments. I just would still need someone to record me playing. Just just make a YouTube well, video of you playing an instrument and become YouTube famous or something. You just know? be like, look at how good I am. I can create my own symphony orchestra that's yeah. just myself <laughs> yeah that'd be fun that would be really cool I can't see the death being good at every instrument I don't know can't no it's perfect alright and my final <laughs> wish is to cancel the Simpsons <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah I'll, maybe cancel the Simpsons and make the make it so the Simpsons ended in two thousand one. Whoa, butterfly effect though, John. Ooh, like what? Like what? What? What bad thing do you think could happen? They create even worse. What if, what if, if the Simpsons ended in two thousand one? McDonald's goes out of business, and suddenly the McDonald's in your house is closed. Uh, well, Sean, uh, Simpsons partnered with Burger King. I'm fine. Oh, I'm just like, what's the connection? Or there? maybe like they decide to do like a thousand Simpsons spinoffs, and we're just like, I can't believe we're on. They're doing a fucking Lenny <laughs> show now. Fuck. <laughs> maybe there's more Simpsons media that's bad because they just. Yeah, there's a definite downside, but I'm willing to take the risk on this one. Just end it, and let's forget the last. They're all dream. I can't even say it's my favorite show. Because it's like, oh, I haven't watched like the recent ones because they suck so much. I get it. Mapple is Apple computers. I get it. Ha ha ha. 
All I think right, I got well, some good wishes. I think I got a good good three. I'm pretty happy with them. Uh, if we're doing a, a media-related wish, yeah. uh, then my third wish will be uh, George Lucas has to go to me for approval on all the prequel Star Wars. Wow, <laughs> interesting. You can save them. It'd be a little better. That'd be good. Be fun. What do you think? Like right off the bat, what would what would you want to change about Phantom Menace? There's <laughs> some of your big notes. I think I, I you know my best wish is to add my best. I think we're losing Jar Jar. Losing Jar Jar. And uh, and you know what? We're gonna make Anakin Skywalker uh, at least a teenager, if not an adult. That's good. I like that. <laughs> Uh, midi chlorians, get that shit out of here. <laughs> no midi chlorians. Uh, get out the weird racist Asian aliens. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and, and Watto. Yeah, well. get out all, get rid of all the racist stuff. Yeah, I I'll get to work on. That. Yeah, it already sounds. Uh, way I mean, better. and limit and, and limitless Sean will have even better ideas. Oh, right? absolutely. That sounds really good. Colin, do you have your third wish? No, I can't. I keep what thinking about of powers that... The you're doing a good job. A, a media wish? Well, I keep thinking of powers like... You know, like reading minds or like... Yeah. Being able to shrink down really small. That's way too yeah. scary. You're scaring me. But that that's one. the thing. Then I gotta like fight a bug with a <laughs> toothpick or something. And it's oh like, yeah, it's God. terrifying. It's like I read people's minds. Like, I probably don't actually want to know what's well, going on Well, hold on, on though. There. Hold on. Okay. I gotta, let's what? go back to the shrinking one. Why do you want to yeah. do that? <laughs> it just seems like John, fun. so you can steal from people? Do you want to like eat like yeah. eat this cake for a month? Yeah, you could eat a cake for a month. You just like go in little spaces that you never got to go, and it's just you know, it'll give you like a new where? perspective where on the go? world. Uh... <laughs> Next time you're on an airplane, you can buy the worst seat and coach, and still be like so comfortable. Yeah, it'd be so comfy. It's just yeah, it's too scary for me, but okay. Reading minds, yeah. Reading minds would be good for like if you want to be like a uh, a gambling genius, right? Mm. You'd have to still have to learn somehow. Some of these games work a little bit. I mean, like a trivia yeah. genius, like a chess genius. That's like you see, that's a good one because it's hard for people to figure you out. Like people might start figuring out that I'm the jumper guy from like seeing me in all these random photos <laughs> and, then, and then putting together a conspiracy. Yeah. Like this guy's always in all these all these places. Yeah, but reading minds is a lot harder to figure out. With reading minds, though, I'd be worried that like it's really hard to control. Like, what if you're like reading all minds all the time? That's the thing I'm worried about. Yeah, as if I'm just hearing multiple voices when I'm walking through like a crowded street or something, or is is it like like how close do people need to be to me in order for me to? read their minds yeah. like am i just or hearing like anyone? really focus on it yeah like how does it work it could be too much power could be like what if you're like professor x where you have to like put one of your hands on your forehead and like little <laughs> waves come out of you so it's like really obvious you're reading someone's <laughs> yeah i feel like even if you had head for some even reason. if you had 
<laughs> Even if you had great control over that power, you'd be tempted to use it all the time, and there'd be times where you used it, and you'd be sad that you used it, like maybe like on a close friend or, or loved one, and you'd like oh, I keep reading their mind, and then you'd keep hearing things that you don't want to hear, you know? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it's better not to know. I'm not sure, but I feel like you'd be too yeah. tempted to use it all the time. Be like a drug, mind drug. Hey, that's mine. Yeah, it's limitless territory. I feel like I guess since limitless, you know, ends at a certain point. What if you become like too limitless and you become like Doctor Manhattan or something? Oh, or like Lucy. Oh yeah, she uses all of her brain or something. That was something I was thinking about when I was talking about um, becoming like way smarter than everybody is. Yeah, it might be kind of alienating because just like no one, no one's at your level. They're just all idiots to you. They're like ants, man. You're like a god at a certain point. And then you're mm-hmm. sad that you can't hang out with any other limitless people. They're just well, don't worry. Stupid. I'll be busy fixing Star Wars. You're too busy fixing Star Wars. <laughs> that takes so much work that it's going to take up most of your time. Yeah, but you're so smart you might make it like too intellectual <laughs> and everyone will hate you for it. Oh, yeah, everyone's like, this is like fucking school. It's like a book. Yeah, this is like a book. What is this? <laughs> well, but this is why this is why we we talked me down into instead of being the well smartest man to being limitless yeah. because mm-hmm. because limitless guy knows also what people want, right? Because he like also That's true. seduce seduce ladies. <laughs> like he has he has time to do that too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. All right, so I'll pick uh, Reading Minds. Nice, Reading Minds. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to choose Reading Books. Like the ability to just like pick up a book and you've read like a Like by uh, Osmosis, kind of? Yeah. Just that's like pretty, it up into that's it. pretty cool. Oh, dude. What's, yeah, what's the uh, downside to that? You just have too many books in your head. And you're like, ah, <laughs> too many books in my brain. You don't want to have read, yeah. Yeah, you accidentally pick up Mind Kampf. Mind Kampf. You're like, I wish I hadn't read that one. No. Uh, all good. Wishes. Pretty cool. Genies are fun. Yeah. Um, there are like two goofs on the IMDb goofs page for this movie. I wrote down one of them here, which is the Jin says that his third story begins in 1620 after 100 years of wandering invisibly following the death of Gulten and Mustafa. But the real Mustafa died in 1553, which is only 67 years before 1620. Um, so it's like, I don't know. I guess 67 years could feel like 100. It's It didn't bother me. Yeah, sounds fine. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> I didn't notice any goofs while watching the movie. If I, if I had noticed one, I would have brought it up. But uh, I didn't, and neither did our friends on the Internet Movie Database. They're our friends. We love them. Except when they used to have forums. Yeah. Don't let them say too much. It's probably good that they got rid of that. There's probably some bad stuff going on in some of those forums. Yeah, like in the Fight Club forum. 
I guess mm-hmm. it's probably good that we never got to experience what the last Jedi discourse would have been on the IMDb forums. Oof. Yeah. I mean, I'm so numb to it at this point. I've dealt with so Isn't much it fuck? See, this Jedi is why I wish you had those limitless powers, Sean. Isn't it like fucking crazy like how that it's like the most controversial movie ever made now, at least in terms of like blockbusters. It's <sighs> To the point where, like, I like the movie. I don't even like to think about it just because I hate thinking about <laughs> other people's opinions on it. Yeah. Like, I can't even rewatch For it. For me, I, like, so much of it was, like, if Rise of Skywalker pays this off in a good way, no one will care anymore and it'll all be fine. And then <laughs> they went the opposite way. Well, at least uh, I don't think I've ever heard anyone have the opinion that Rise of Skywalker was better than Last Jedi, though. <laughs> That's true. There's a... I've never heard that. <laughs> Speaking of Bradley Cooper, there's a silver lining. <sighs> <laughs> I'm just so fucking tired. Sorry, I know this has nothing to do with anything that this episode's about. I am so fucking tired of people being like, well, what about Snoke? What was Snoke going to be? It's like, well, clearly they didn't fucking know. Trust me, they didn't have anything. They weren't going to come up with anything good, okay? That's so why they killed him. That was the most interesting thing about him. Fuck off. I feel like fucking Logan Roy over here. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why my pick is The Last Jedi. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. It's okay. Time. Yeah, we're there. Yeah. I think oh, God. I think it is it is your pick, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So I originally had picked a good movie. But then I saw that Uh-oh. that movie has an anniversary in November, so I'm pushing it to November, assuming this podcast will still exist and assuming the world will still exist. Maybe one of our wishes has destroyed it. I don't know. We'll see. I'm sorry. I'm very tempted to pick a movie that's kind of middling to bad. But but like I was saying before we started podcasting, I think those episodes are really entertaining, even if the movie itself isn't always entertaining. Yeah, and a movie came up uh, while we were gaming recently, and I was thinking about it. <laughs> is okay. I think I know what it is. Go on. I'm very intrigued to watch Willard. <laughs> oh, okay. Fuck, 2003, 20th anniversary Willard. No, it, it, it. I was reading about Willard today on on Bloody Disgusting, one of my most uh, trusted media resources. Uh, a couple of years ago, they did a retrospective on the franchise, which is three movies, and they they believe that the the remake is the best one. It is. It does have a fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a low fresh. It's a sixty four. But I just remember it being really interesting. But I don't remember it that well. It, it was it was written and directed by Glenn Morgan of the X Files, Crispin Glover, Arlie Ermey, music by Shirley Walker from the Batman the animated series, and I just I have. I was reading about like the history of like animal attack movies, and I feel like I can go down a very fun rabbit hole with that. There's some weird, and I, I'm thinking about watching the other Willard movies to prepare. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Willard 2000, 2003, 20th anniversary. Uh, I believe last month was its 20th anniversary. So, well, there you go. The rats will be out uh, next time, but 
if you're looking for more content between now and then, may I direct you over to mildlyplease.com. That's where you can see things like Colin's favorite albums of winter 2023, which was helpful for me to see because there was some stuff in there I hadn't listened to yet. So thanks for that, Colin. I'll probably do uh, one for April. Oh, with an exciting teaser like that, how could you not go to mildlyplease.com <laughs> as soon as possible? Uh, also, you can find more podcasts. Like if you if you missed us talking about the other Mario movie, we did that uh, just a little bit ago. Um, so just look up Mildly Please on um, uh, Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify. Uh, I think we're on Stitcher. I think we're on all the things. Now. We weren't on Spotify for a while, it turned out, but I fixed that when the when the website died. Thanks. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, thanks. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye.